um, I started a series on kingdom mind renewal, kingdom mind renewal. And basically what we're hitting on is uh, just the fact that our lives are directed by our thinking. That's where everything begins. Um, I cannot change the way you live if I can't change the way you think. And you can't uh, change what you do in your life if we don't first take care of the mental capacity, if we don't first change the way we think. Everything that you do, everything uh, that you are, your lifestyle, is all based upon things that have been uh, placed in your mind. And so we've been focusing on getting our minds lined up with the Word of God. Because this is where change takes place. Change first takes place in the mind. Um, If we're not thinking properly, we're not going to live properly. If we're not thinking upon the word of God, then we're not going to live upon the word of God. And we're going to find our lives follow the pattern that we were born into. Um, So last week we started to dive in and we just looked at the importance of mind renewal. Why is it important to change the way we think? Why is this uh, thinking uh, process so important in our daily lifestyle. And so we saw that in uh, the Garden of Eden, we had something tragic take place. Adam and Eve uh, sinned. They disobeyed their king. They sinned. And at that point, sin nature came into the world, which means that every single person that's born on this planet is born into thinking like the enemy wants you to think. We know the enemy is Satan. This is pure fact this is i'm just laying foundation here that when you are born into this world the second you come in your your lifestyle is already geared to walk in disobedience towards god period there there's there's no one that has ever been born except for jesus christ himself that was born into this world without that factor without the sin nature playing some kind of factor in your life And so the problem that we have today is, and I believe that this is probably the number one problem in Christianity today, is that we have Christians that have come into the kingdom but have not changed their mindset to live according to the kingdom. And this is a huge problem. This is what we call a hypocrite. And so uh, we have Christians, we have believers, we have people that have asked Jesus Christ to come into the heart, change me, take away my sins, help me get to heaven, and there's no lifestyle change, there's no fruit change, and it's simply because we have not managed the one area that controls everything, and it's our mind. Remember last week we laid out that uh, you are a three-part being. Every single person on this planet is a spirit man. You have a soul. You're in possession of a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. It's what you think. It's how you feel. And it's uh, what you want to do. That's your mind, your will, and emotions. That's contained in your soul. And then everybody has a body, the the flesh that we see. And we, we saw last week that this mind and this soul realm is caught in between wanting to do good, wanting to do what God wants you to do, that's what born again is being is all about. Born again is your spirit coming to life and now beginning to have power. And that power, when you're born again, comes instantly. You have it. The problem is, is changing your thinking and changing your mindset to live according to that. That's the problem that 
every person on this planet. That's the number one conflict of all the battles that take place, of all the wars that are taking place, of all the families that are, in, that are fighting each other, of the Democrat and the Republicans fighting against each other. Whatever argument you could ever come up with, the number one conflict in people's lives is between their soul and their, is between their flesh and their spirit, and the soul is what we have to get lined up. The soul, your mind, has to get is either going to side with your flesh, doing, uh, uh, disobeying God, disobeying your King, or siding with your spirit, obeying the Word and obeying your spirit. Okay, so this is what we've been looking at, and so last week we uh, laid the foundation of spirit, soul, and body. Um, we looked at mind renewal. That mind renewal is the key to transforming your lives. Remember, we looked at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 said, And be ye transformed in your lifestyle, in the way you live, by the renewing of your mind. Which means, first comes the mind, then comes the lifestyle. Very simple. So we laid that foundation last week. We saw um, that Jesus, when he came to this planet, he the first thing he started talking about was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm bringing a message that's different than what you've been living according to. So repentance needs to take place, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to lay the foundation for repentance. Now, this word repent, uh, it doesn't matter if you were born again today or if you were born again 50 years ago. Repent is probably one of the first words that we hear, and we've documented as a religious word, and we've said that repentance is coming down to the altar, saying, Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross, you were born again, uh, that you were raised again, I accept you into my life, and then we walk away, and that's repentance. But this isn't true. Repentance, we have reduced repentance to an apology. We've reduced repentance to coming down and saying, I'm sorry, and then turning around and, and living however, and thinking that this one prayer took care of everything. And that's just not true. There's a lifestyle that needs to take place. Uh, Paul talked about fruit of the Spirit. And this fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, self-control, these, these fruits of the Spirit he wasn't just going through that saying this is what you should look like or this is what we pursue. This is how you should be. These things should be evident. See, fruit tells you, tells others who you are. That's what fruit does. Instead of an apple tree having to stand with a sign that says I'm an apple tree, it bears fruit of apples, and that's how you know it's an apple tree. There's no guessing game. There's no, I wonder what kind of tree this is. Maybe it's a tomato tree. Maybe it's an orange tree. No, it's an apple tree because there's apples coming off of it. And it's not going to bear oranges. It's not going to bear grapes. It's not going to bear any other kind of fruit but apples. Okay? So the fruit is everything. And we've been bypassing the fruit, and we've been going after uh, what are other signs that I'm a Christian. Because there, there's got to be other stuff than me having to walk in love with my neighbor who keeps throwing stuff in my yard. I mean, there's got to be... Uh, another, there's got to be something else that will show people, that will identify me to the world as being a Christian than, you know, operating in peace when people come in and, and, and say that they're going to lay us off. 
uh, there's got to be other ways to identify myself to this world um, as a Christian than operating in patience when I'm driving along and there's someone crazy in front of me just doing all kinds of And it's not. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Those are your identifiers. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. When we, we talked about fruits of the Spirit versus gifts of the Spirit and how people uh, want to bring on super spirituality and, and being over spiritual and knowing the Bible, but there's no fruit. And fruit is the true, uh, that's the true identifier. Is this person born again? Is this person living according to the word? And I'm not saying that if you're not bearing those fruit, because it's a, it's, a, it's a daily walk for everybody. To walk in love, we're working towards it. To, walk, to have joy all the time, we're, we're pursuing that. To operate in patience, that's something we're going after. And some days we fall shorter than others, but our goal is to always get there. Okay? But our goal should be in this life, people know we're Christians. Not when we get to heaven and say, ta-da, see, I told you I said the prayer. That's not the goal. Because on the earth, this is where your purpose is. This is your purpose. This is what you were born for. This is why Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. Adam and Eve were not placed in the garden to one day go back to heaven. Just hang out here for a little bit and you won't find that. God's plan to take man back to heaven did not come into into reality until man missed it. We don't see anything uh, about, and, and really when you do a study on heaven, you'll find there's really very little in the Bible. The Bible focuses on your purpose in this earth, today, here, in this planet. And we'll get into that. We'll, we'll understand more of that. Just, just stay with me on all that because I know we're, we're immediately starting to break traditions and we're immediately starting to break mindsets that we've probably been raised with for our entire life. Okay? But let me tell you something. Financially speaking, if you were raised you know, in, in, in a poor family and you want to live differently, you've got to break the mindset that you were raised in. Um, it, you can't go off of If you were raised with this mindset of when you get it, you spend it, uh, we're going to see those things repeated. And that's where we're at today, really, uh, with a lot of people. They're not struggling with finances. They're struggling with the mindset on money. They're not struggling with sickness in their body. They're struggling with the mentality of sickness in their mind. Okay? This is where everything's taking place. And so that's why we're doing this teaching. That's why I want to do this right out the gate. I want to get us in a position to where every time we come to church and every time we hear the word, we're immediately in a position of what part of my mind is going to change today? What am I going to change my thinking and what am I going to see differently today? What's, what am I going to find today that tomorrow I can put in, into practice at my job and put into practice with my family and put into practice with my spouse that's going to cause me to go to the next level. It's going to cause me to live differently. That's what I want to do. I'm not just trying to brainwash people. I'm not just trying to change people's thinking just for the sake of changing it because what we need to do is we always need to go back to and say, what does this say about it? What does the Bible say about it? That's what I want to know. I don't want to know what, I don't want to live on what grandma said about it. I don't want to live on what my old pastor used to say about it. I want to go by the word. So this is what happens. You don't take anything that I say just because I say it. Man, you should have heard Pastor Mark last night. He, he said this, and it, it was awesome. And it just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live differently because of what he said. 
No, you're going to live differently because of what the Word said, and I'm preaching what the Word says. And you can trust that I'm a studier of the Word, I'm a doer of the Word, and that um, I'm putting this into practice in my own life, and that I'm studying this thing out. I'm not just reading something and saying, ooh, that looks good, I'm going to say that tonight. Or I don't, I don't go off of what other people say. I'll tell you this real quick. I, there are people that um, are in my life specifically that I, that I listen to, other ministers that I listen to. One, obviously, you know is Pastor Earl. He's been my pastor for the past seven years. <clears throat> this ministry is under his ministry, and, um, you know, he's, he's, my, he's my father um, in, in, the, in the spirit. He's my father in the word, and he is my pastor. And so, obviously, I, I pull things from him, and, and you will as well because this ministry is up under him. But there are other people, and I don't say, I don't throw out who uh, – what ministers I listen to a whole lot. You won't hear me do that a whole lot. You won't hear me say, man, this, I was watching this one minister and, and, and he said this. You're not going to hear me. Why? Because God put specific people in our lives for specific purposes. And just because he, he's got me hooked up with somebody or he's got me you know, in touch with somebody just doesn't mean that he's got you in touch with that person. And I don't, I don't ever want to get you... Uh, running after someone just because, man, my pastor watches him, so he must be good. Um, I want you to to hear by the Spirit on who you're supposed to be listening to, who you're supposed to be pulling from. If I'm your pastor, then you should obviously be pulling from me, period. Um, but there's, there's other people, and I understand this. There's authors, and the number one thing that we do, and, and I do it as well, um, there's not one pastor in my life or one minister in my life that I take everything they do and adapt it to my life. I take bits and pieces. Brother Hagen used to call it uh, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. He used to call it eat the hay and, and spit out the sticks. Kenneth, Kenneth E. Hagen, he's passed on now. But um, there's different ministers that I pull things from and that um, I watch you know, every now and then and, and listen to different things. And... Um, and they're in my life because that's who God has said you need to hook up with this person or, or you need to, uh, you know, listen to this person. It's got good stuff that – and that, that's for me specifically. This is for everybody. I mean uh, we look in, in the New Testament at Paul, and um, there was a guy named John Mark that, you know, Paul was traveling. He had Barnabas. He had Saul. He had Timothy. He had these different people. And uh, there was a guy named John Mark, and, and Paul and John Mark just didn't get together. They just didn't, they, uh, didn't hook up on a natural level to where Paul ended up saying, man, you know, get this kid out of here. And eventually later on, uh, John Mark was able to be an, be an asset to him. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't for uh, Barnabas, I think, ended up taking him. So John Mark was able to hook up with Barnabas but wasn't able to quite hook up with Paul. And that's okay. Why? Because we're getting ministry done. It's about, it's about following the purpose of God and the will of God for our lives, and, and that's the key. So um, you won't hear me throw out a whole lot who I listen to or, or what I watch or who I pull things from a whole lot, um, a lot of names. Um, I just gave you two. I gave you Earl Glisson and Kenneth Hagin, and, um, you know, but I'm not saying that you have to go chase them down and, and go find their books and go read their stuff. If I, if I, if I say... That you do, it's because God has said for this church, you need to hook up and, and do this specific thing. Okay? 
So just throwing that out there. But again, with um, changing your mindset, we want to base it on the word of God. I don't want to base it on a man. I don't want you to base it on me. I don't base it on uh, anything else but the word. And everything I hear, everything I read, everything I watch, I'm always doing this. How does that line up with the word? Every book. I don't care how moving it sounds. I don't care uh, how much it pulls on my emotions. In fact, those are the ones you really got to watch for, is the ones that pull on your emotions, because your emotions can be very tricky. Your emotions can, uh, emotions are not wrong. It's not wrong to be emotional, but we were not designed to be led by emotions. We were designed to be led by the Spirit of God. Again, uh, You were not designed to be led by your soul realm. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them with the ability to be led by the Spirit of God that was within them. Remember, he breathed the breath of God into them. That's what gave them life. That was what was to govern. I mean, you you got Adam walking in the cool of the day with God talking with him, hanging out with him, fellowshipping with him. He He wasn't to be led by, man, you know, I just, I don't, I don't feel like loving people today. You know, I don't feel that joyful today. But Paul said, count it all joy. See, in, in our, our emotions, a lot of times, we can be led by them rather than putting them in line with the Spirit. Everything needs to come in line with the Word of God. Everything we do, everything we feel, everything we think, everything we say needs to come in line with God's Word, period. So then how do we do that? Well, we have to lay a foundation of God's word. We have to be in God's word, being in church. And I'll tell you right now, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> being in church on Sunday and Wednesday is not enough. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not enough. We have to be here. You are to be hooked up with the local body church. You are to be up under a pastor. You are uh, to serve in that church. But it's not enough because Monday and Tuesday – and Thursday and Friday, Saturday, I mean, these days you've got stuff screaming at you to do what? To do the exact opposite of what I'm talking about right now. To do the exact opposite about, of what we talk about on Sunday mornings. To do the exact opposite of what we talk about on Sunday nights. That's what the world does. You know, uh, you know most of you know that we serve as children's pastors down in St. Augustine, Florida. And um, that's coming to a close very quickly. Um, but in serving, I value our time with those kids. And I don't care uh, what the world says about their attention time spans because I know that a lot of these kids are sitting in front of movies that are hour and a half, two hours, three hours long, locked in. Youth. Don't tell me I can't preach to, to youth for 50 minutes or an hour. They can stay hooked up to a TV screen for longer than that. A video game. They can stay hooked up to a, a rock concert and stay standing in one place the entire time. So you can sit down and hear the word. And just because I'm not getting crazy and just because I don't have lights going off and loud music everywhere, I mean, the word of God is the most relevant thing. Jesus didn't have to go get a tattoo and didn't have to drink beer and didn't have to smoke any cigarettes to try to reach people that were that way. He was relevant. Why? Because he had the answer. 
He said, okay, when you, when you find out this lifestyle is not enough for you, I've got the answer. When you find out that that beer bottle is not enough for you, I've got the answer. When you find out that running around on all these women is not enough for you, I've got the answer. That's the most relevant thing I can give you. You know, and we said this a few weeks ago. Those people, you know, they'll make fun of you for, for the first few weeks. But when they get that report from the doctor that says you've got cancer, you've got six weeks to live, who are they going to? They go into the one who had the word. They go into the one that they were making fun of a few weeks ago. Who are they going to go to when they find out, man, they're laying me off. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got this house mortgage I can't pay. I've got all these doctor's bills I can't take care of. You know, I've got three kids at home. What am I supposed to do? They're going to you. They ain't going to their drinking buddies. They ain't going to the buddies they hang out with and go to the strip club with. Okay? They're going to someone who's got the answer. So you want to be relevant, get the word, and you'll find yourself right on someone's doorstep before too long. And it may seem like you've got to go through everything else to get there, but it won't take long because this world doesn't have the answer. There's a guy that I've been working on. <clears throat> he works at a Smoothie King uh, down in St. Augustine. And he has no desire to be in church, go to church, doesn't care about church, doesn't care about God, doesn't care about none of it. But one day, something's going to happen. And because I've been pressing, hey, you want to go to church this week? Man, I've told you, I don't care about church. But because I've been pressing, something's going to happen. For some people, you've got to hit rock bottom before you start looking up. As long as they think they can get it on their, on their own. I mean, i got family members that they know, they're, they know they're lost. They know they need to be in church. But as long as they think there's something they can do, as long as they think, no, you know what, I can fix this. I can get another job. No, I, I can fix this. I can, I can, you know, make things right with my wife. You don't have the answer. You don't have the word. You don't have church in your life. You don't have God. You don't have a, a lifestyle of submission to the king. So you don't have the answer. But you just keep falling, and you keep falling, and you keep falling. And, you know, some of us have been there. Some of us, it's, I got nowhere else to go but up. And when I look up, I see the word of God, and I have to go that way. I have to go that route. And you just hope it's not too late for some people. Okay? So this is why we're dealing with the mindset, because we want to we create this lifestyle within us that gives us the answers for the world. This isn't just for us. The word you're receiving tonight is not just to make you a better person, and so you can go home tonight and say, did it, went to church today, God is smiling at me. Because everything we're getting here is so we can do something out there. Okay? So let's look at this. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to talk about repentance. We're going to define this word. We're going to break it down. We're going to find out what true repentance really is. So go ahead and if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> and we're going to look at verse, we'll go ahead and start with verse 1. Just so we see where we're at. 3 verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is John the Baptist speaking. Now, John the Baptist, most of us know that's Jesus' cousin, six months apart. And John the Baptist's uh, main role on the earth was to prepare the way for Jesus. We know this, okay? So in doing that, he's not only preparing the way for Jesus, he's preparing the way for the, for the message that Jesus is bringing, 
He's not just preparing the way for the man. He's preparing the way for what the man is bringing to the table. So he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 4. Next chapter over. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, we're seeing it. We're seeing Jesus is saying the same thing John the Baptist is saying. And then one more over in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. So far we've seen John the Baptist is saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then one, uh, verse 15. And this is... uh, See, is this John? This is Jesus. And Jesus is saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay? So we've just seen three instances where this word repent is being used. And every time they were predecessing repent, the kingdom's coming. Repent, the kingdom is here. Repent, the kingdom is close to you that's what at hand means at hand means within your reach okay so this word repent this comes from a greek word that means uh it's two greek words broken up that mean to think after to think after so let's put it this way the word repent means a decision that results in a change of mind which in turn leads to a change in action and lifestyle okay that's what, this word, that's what this word repent means. We've made this a, a religious word. We've made this a church, a churchy word. <clears throat> um, you know, some people use the term Christianese, you know, uh, when, you, when you, you start talking your church terms. But this word repent simply means a change in thinking. That's all it means. If I'm walking this way and I say, no, you know, I want to go this way. I just repented. Physically, I just repented. It means to change your mind. That's really all it means. That's what the word repent means. So we've reduced it to coming down here, coming to the altar. Yes, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. But then we walk away and there's nothing different. We've apologized for what we've done. Please forgive me. But there is a difference between making Jesus your Lord and just saying, I believe that you died on the cross. And so there's, there is a connection that we haven't made in churches. There's a connection we haven't made here. And this is why follow-up is so important. We need to follow up with people that make this decision. We need to find out, uh, you know, we need to have classes. If you are born again for the first time, we need to know what that really means and what that entails. Otherwise, I've done worse than letting you live like a sinner. I've now given you the label of Christian, and you can walk around and still look like a sinner. That's worse. That's worse than living like a sinner and not knowing or, you know, refusing. But to come up here and to get this term, get this label, and then walk around in the world, and there's nothing different about us except that we said something. I said this last week. That when you are born again, this is what takes place. At the moment of salvation, when you come down front, this is what takes place. Your spirit is immediately made new. 
We know this. Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus, John chapter 3, he said that you must be born again. How can you know, see, enter the kingdom of God? You must be born again. Nicodemus obviously thought, you're crazy. I can't be born again. I can't go back into my mom and be born again. And he said, no, not by the flesh, by the spirit. You're born again. So you're made new, instantly, new spirit. Your soul now is being born again. Being born again. Your mind is being renewed to what your spirit has taken on, to what has happened in your spirit. Okay? Your flesh cannot be born again. We cannot save this flesh. This flesh will always be hostile to God. We saw that last week, that your, uh, to live according to the flesh is to be an enemy of God, period. There, there, there's no other way, okay? So we have our spirit that wants to live after the word, wants to live after God. We have our flesh that refutes God and refuses everything that God is about. And then we have our soul that's in the middle being torn which way? The one you starve loses. The one you feed wins. Very simple, okay? If I'm feeding my spirit, if I'm getting in the word, if I'm going to church, if I'm making sure that I'm strong in those areas, then I'm going to give in to my flesh. If I'm not feeding my spirit and I'm feeding my flesh, and I don't mean physically eating. I'm talking about uh, putting in front of your eye gate and your ear gate uh, things that tear down your spirit and that give you over to the world. And there's plenty of it out there. Trust me. You'll probably see it on a billboard going home. You'll see it on a commercial watching a football game. I mean, you see it and you don't even want to see it. You see it and you're trying not to. Okay? So, and it's amazing how the enemy works. He finds ways to make provision in your life uh, for the sin that may be, may be the one thing you're struggling with. If it's alcohol, you're going to find some kind of something that's going to be thrown in there, some kind of commercial, some kind of billboard, friends. You'll all of a sudden find yourself surrounded with people trying to drag you back to that. The enemy, he's stupid, but he's tricky. The word word, uh, said in Genesis that that he's a sneak, that he's sneaky, he's tricky in how he works and how he operates. He didn't just come up to Eve and say, hey, disobey God. He came as a serpent and said, if you eat of that tree, you'll be just like God. Tricky. Okay? So that you'll find yourself, we're constantly in this battle of do we feed the flesh or do we feed the spirit? And we know that we want to feed the spirit. I think that a lot of us desire, I think there is a true desire to feed the Spirit, grow in the Word, be in church. I've come to find that out in just talking to people about church, that people know they need to be in church. People know this. Just as a generality, man, you know, I, I need to be in church. And a lot of times, um, if you ask them, they'll say that they go to church, even though they probably haven't been in a very long time. Um, but they'll pick a church that maybe they've gone to several times um, or maybe, you know, are a member of but don't go on a regular basis. People know inwardly that they need to be in church. But getting in church and doing it is another step. And it, it's a, it's a, it is a process. You've got to find the right church. You've got to find one that's home. You've got to find one that's preaching the word. Uh, You've got to find one that's got uh, worship that isn't just about entertainment and the, the hottest lights and the loudest music. Um, you want to have worship that is truly exalting and, and worshiping, submitting yourself to your God. 
I mean, it is hard to find those these days. And it's going to be harder because we've also got churches, Jesus, Peter, and Paul all said this in their ministries, that there will be those that fall away from the faith. Not those that choose to live against God out, you know, openly, outwardly, saying don't follow God. I'm talking about those that fall away doctrinally. And so it looks like they're pursuing God. It looks like they're going after God. It looks like their church is succeeding. They got a lot of numbers. They got big buildings. They got loud music. They got big worship bands. But that's not success in church. Success in church is not how many people are in your church. It's how many people are living it outside of church. That is success in church. And that's what we're going after. That's what we want. Just because I'm in a 2,000 square foot building right now with this group doesn't make me any less than some big mega church because if that big mega church isn't preaching this uncompromised that's only more responsibility added to you now you're accountable for the 4,000 people sitting in your audience and what you're preaching to them and you're afraid to preach the word to them because, man, I got 4,000 people. I got this big building. I got this mortgage that I have to pay on this building. I've got all these things that I've got going. I've got all these people on staff. And I don't want to say something that's going to make them get up and walk out the door because how, I'm going to have to lay all these people off. I'm going to have to lose this building. They all said it. Jesus, Peter, Paul, they all said it. Many will fall away from the faith. This is, why we, this is why we talk about living it on the outside. Because I don't want to give you hyped up, hopped up word that sounds cool and awesome, but has you living improperly. Saying it's okay to do this or it's all right to do that. No, we want to cut the line. You're going to find very quickly about me that I'm very black and white. There's no gray. There's no, well, you know, I know they say don't do this, but, you know, you can do it this way too. This is why we have the denominations we have because we got everybody looking at the same book and determining what they think it says why don't we have the holy spirit i mean paul promised us that the holy spirit would give us revelation in the word so somebody's not listening from the holy spirit someone is giving their opinion i don't want opinions i want what the spirit says i want to know what the bible says Okay, that's what we want to renew our mind to. So this word repentance, it's the very first call to enter the kingdom. It's what you have to do to live in the kingdom. And then it's what you have to do to reveal the kingdom. Okay, repentance is the very first thing you do to get in. There is no getting into the kingdom without being born again, period. There is no getting in. There is no being born again without making the change in your mind. We know this. Okay. But to live it, this repentance is a daily, ongoing thing. We have made an, we've made an event out of repentance when repentance is really a lifestyle. It's really every day repenting. And when I say that, I don't mean, again, change of thinking, change your mind. Okay. So when I say repent every day, I'm not saying... Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take all my sins away. I believe that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying come to church with the mindset of how am I going to change my thinking tonight? How am I going to change my thinking this morning? 
going to work, and, and, and when, you, when you open your Bible and you're reading it, what is going to come off the page today that's going to have me seeing something differently and, and, and seeing something where I see something change in my life? That's what repentance is. It's a change in thinking. Now, <clears throat> to change your thinking to something, we need to know what we're thinking on, that we're changing from. I need, it, I need to know what I'm changing from to know what I'm changing to. And there's two different things here because there's two, two groups of people that I'm talking to today. You're either born again or you're not born again. Very simple. One of two people is in this building tonight. If you are not born again, you are changing your thinking from the sinful nature that we identified last week and, and earlier this evening. That every person in this earth uh, was born into sinful nature and had a mentality that was based on sinful nature. Sinful nature is simply living a life that is disobedient to the king. That's what sin is. Sin is, is disobeying what God says to do. If it says in his word, do not kill, killing somebody is just as much sin as if he says, do not lie, and you lie. Okay? We, put, we, are, uh, we in our lifestyle today, are the ones that say what's worse than others. America does that. Okay? You go to jail for this many, you get a slap on the wrist, but you serve life. Okay? You go to jail for five years, you go to prison for 20 years. We determine where they go based upon what they did. Okay? Um, but in the kingdom, that's not, that's not how it is. You either obey it or you don't. Again, black and white. No gray matter. No gray area. It's black or white. So that's the first area that we are changing from. The second area that we're changing from. If you are born again, we all have traditions. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, if, you, if we can go there. <clears throat> Matthew 15, 3. We have traditional thinking that is based on man and not on the word, and we have to come off of that. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Jesus is speaking here, and he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, let me give you a little background here. <clears throat> is this good tonight? This is good. Amen. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are the religious leaders of, of Jesus' time. They were the uh, pastors, preachers. They were the ones that gave the word of God. Okay, At that time, all they had was the Old Testament. That's what a Pharisee and a Sadducee was. They were the ones that lived uprightly. They were the ones that, you know, told you how to live right. They got in the synagogues and they read the words of the Old Testament. But the problem was, is they weren't living the word. They were preaching the word. Jesus called them hypocrites several times. He called them whitewashed tombs. You're white, you're clean on the outside, but on the inside you're, you're just dead. You got nothing going on. There's no lifestyle. You stand on the corner and you pray out loud. Okay, but on the and you're just doing it for show. You're just trying to show people how spiritual you are. But on the inside, we got nothing. There's no relationship with God. There's no really pursuing God. There's no love walk. Okay, so this is where we're at. So Jesus is talking to this group of people. This was Jesus's enemy. Now you're thinking, okay, Jesus, Son of God. This th these should have been his best friends. These were the people that put him to death. Okay. That's who put Jesus to death. 
That's who ended his life. That's who said, we have to get this man out of here. We have to get rid of this guy. It was the religious people. Okay? So let's look at this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Jesus is speaking, and he answered and said to them, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the scribes, he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Because of your tradition. What is he saying here? Why do you pull away, why do you fall away from God's word because of your tradition, because, what, if, because of what you have placed in your life? This is what tradition is. It's basing your life off of what man says and not off of what God says. Okay? The religious leaders had developed their lives, their lifestyles, everything they did and how they lived just because it was another book. It wasn't because there was any heart to it. There was no heart. Remember Jesus when he showed up and he said, the kingdom of God is within you, which means first the kingdom takes place in your heart or in your spirit, and then it is revealed on the outside, not on the outside working its way in. The lifestyle of uh, Christianity, a believer, does not begin on the outside and then work its way in. It starts on the inside. That's why you have to accept Jesus into your heart, not your head. You don't, I don't accept Jesus into my flesh and then hope it works, it works its way into my spirit, man. No, it starts in my spirit, man, and then it comes out from there. But these religious leaders had it backwards. They thought that they could look a certain way on the outside and have no heart about it, have no true uh, relationship with God on the inside, and get away with it. And so Jesus is identifying, why are you transgressing my word? Because Jesus was the word of God. Why are you transgressing the word of God for the sake of tradition? You're not living, you're not, you're not really living it on the outside because you don't know it on the inside. Is what he's saying here. So this is the, this is the second area. This is where we have to uh, understand that repentance is a lifestyle for a believer. Is because we are always having to constantly renew our thinking on the inside. Even after you're saved. Of is the word that I'm hearing lining up with the word that's with this book that I have in front of me. Am I continually living according to this book? Or am I finding myself... Uh, falling back and living according to the world again. And it's easy to do that. It's very easy to do that. It's as simple as sitting down, watching the news, hearing about how the economy is, and starting to get that worry or that anxiety. We've now transferred from living according to God's government to this government. Okay? We start looking at our bank account and we say, man, I, I can't pay my bills. When we forget that God says, but I will supply all your needs according to my riches. See, we, we just transgressed. We just, we just fell away from living according to God's word to now resulting ourselves, reducing ourselves back to what we see in the natural realm. That's repentance. Repentance is saying, no, I don't care what I hear. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I see. I'm going to live according to the word of God. What I do? I just repented. I just changed my mind from the world system back into God's system. 
every single believer always, forever, has the capacity to think according to their sinful nature once again. Aaron, 14 years old, has the capacity to fall back into a sinful nature mentality. Um, I don't know anybody else's age, anybody older than that, I don't, you know, 50 years old, 75 years old. Uh, what's that? 47. Mr. Damien here, 47 years old. Has the... <laughs> hey, proud of it right here. That's awesome. For, all right. There we go. <laughs> Damien, 47 years old has the ability, the capacity, to fall back to sinful nature. It doesn't matter if you're born again for one day or if you're born again for 50 years. We can always do it. You never get to a point where you are so... uh, What we're doing is we're strengthening our ability to rely on God's Spirit instead of the world. That's what we do. So Damien may be stronger and better at believing God's word than Aaron, but he could still easily, in fact, you'll find that your trials um, and your tests in life will meet you on the level that you're at. So, you know, Aaron, you know, maybe new in the kingdom, maybe just got saved last weekend. And so he's struggling with believing um, that he can make friends at school. And so that's where the enemy will try to attack him. On that little bitty level. Well, Damien, he, he doesn't care about that. He, I got friends. I don't need any of that. But Damien is a father. He's got a household. He's got a job. And so the, the enemy might bring him uh, anxiety on a level of, what about your job? I heard they might be talking about laying some people off. What Do you, you think you're going to be able to make it? I don't know if you're going to be able to make it. You might need to take out a second mortgage. You might need to. And so both of them are struggling with areas that they are consistently having to renew their mind to, having to repent and say, no, I can have friends because I can make myself friendly. No, God is going to take care of me no matter what happens in this government, no matter what happens with my job, no matter what happens in my finances. Both of them using the same book on totally different levels. That's how the word of God works. And that's how repentance takes place in our lives. Very simple. Okay, so this is why it's a daily lifestyle every day. You will never find a day. You will never find that you are saved so long and in the word so much. I have the same things anybody else does. I'm not on this. I'm not on a pedestal just because I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher. I haven't already arrived. So I get to tell you how to do it. I do it. I just have a different calling. But I have to put faith into practice. I have to put love into practice. I have to. Uh, learn to be patient with people just like you have to learn to be patient with people. I have to uh, walk according to faith in God's word just as much as anybody else. I mean, this is one of the biggest steps of faith my wife and I have had to take. Coming from somewhere on staff at a church, I mean, you know, we've always, the joke with pastoral staff that's paid full time is how could you ever go back to working outside the church? But if I had to do it, I'd do it. I did it before, I'd do it again, you know? And so it's a step of faith. We're all in levels and walks of faith in our life. And that comes, we become strengthened in that by renewing our mind and by continuing to repent and change our thinking. 
not ever getting caught up with the world system. The world is always going to fight you. The world is always going to be against you. The world is always going to try to draw you away from the word of God and from what God wants you to do. You know, I, I read a, a thing today where a minister was um, talking about how God ordains your steps. And sometimes he may give you a few steps. Sometimes he gives you just one step. Either way, you've got to step out. Either way, it's one step. You know, it's a step in front of the other, walking in life. And he said, and don't worry about brick walls because that means you're just getting ready to see God do something awesome. That's pretty cool. You know, we're, we're walking, and you're thinking, okay, I'm believing God with this step. I'm believing God with this step. And then, boom, now I'm in the middle of a wall. What am I supposed to do? You know, this happened to Moses. He's just following God's step. He didn't know how he was going to take the people out of Egypt. He didn't know how he was going to get them to the promised land. God gave him one word, said, take my people. You know, deliver my people from Egypt. Deliver my people out of bondage. So he's going. And man, I mean, how much rejoicing are you? Ten plagues just came. Uh, the Pharaoh, fin- or Pharaoh finally gave up the people. And you're going. And now we're at a sea. And we've got Pharaoh's men behind us. Brick wall. And he got to see God do something awesome. And part the sea and get them across. So we don't ever... We don't ever Uh, become weary in our faith. We don't ever become weak in our faith because we're following one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, and then we hit this wall, and it's like, great, God just got me to a dead end. And then he blows the dead end out of your way. And you just keep on going. Amen? So this is the mind renewal process. This is repentance um, happening. Um, Man's traditions will cause you to disobey and rebel against God's word. Period. Um, If we... Look, when you get to heaven and God's asking you why your purpose wasn't fulfilled, you can't say, but that's how my grandma taught me. You cannot say, but that preacher, you know, when I was seven years old, that church that I got saved in, you know, that's what he said. That's how they, he's going to say, I gave you my word. Did you read it? Did you honor it? Did you obey it? Did you go to that other church when I told you to, to leave that one and go to that one? Did you uh, hook up with that person and, and create that relationship with that person that was going to uh, show you the word when I told you to? Or did you stay stuck to your traditions? And this is one of the hardest things that's fought in churches today is traditions. When I'm preaching, at some point, I may not hit it tonight, I may not hit it on Sunday, but at some point, I'm going to hit something that you've heard before, and it's going to, you're going to have to shatter it, and you're going to have to go on, or you're going to have to choose, no, I don't believe that. I'm going to stick with, let's just always endeavor to, hear the, to go after the word of God. Okay? Always endeavor to go after the word. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. I will say something. I can tell you right now, it's going to happen. I'm going to say something that you've heard before, and you're going to have to change your thinking and say, you know what? I don't think that is true. Because he showed me three verses in the Bible that pointed that out. i got to go with the word. Sorry, Grandma. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. I don't believe it that way anymore because I have, been, I have seen it in the word this way. And we got to go on. I'm not here to debate. I'm not here to argue. I'm here to lay the word out front, out flat, and that's the way it is. Okay? And I'm not going to defer from those or fall away from those for the sake of seeing someone leave because 
It's what's going to change your life if you grab a hold of it. The word of God will absolutely change your life. And I want to preach truth. I want to preach what's going to change your life. I don't want to preach what makes you excited on the outside and then you have to get to heaven and I'm held responsible for that. Why didn't you preach that word to them? I gave you that word. I showed you that in the word. You were afraid that what if they accepted it? What if it absolutely changed their life? What if it caused them to, to enter the call of ministry? What if it called them to reach that lost person at church or their unsaved loved ones? There's a responsibility. Okay, so with this repentance, we've seen that we have to repent from a sinful nature and we also have to repent from throughout our walk as believers. We have to repent from traditions of man and things that uh, we had received as truth before. But now we need to gain more knowledge on or we need to see a different way. Um, There are three levels of repentance. I'll close with this real quick. The first level is reversal. Very simple. You come down, you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you change your thinking. I'm no longer living the way the enemy wants me to live. I'm no longer thinking the way Satan wants me to live. I'm living according to the word. I'm living according to what is identified in the word on how a believer should live and act. Very simple. So that's reversal. That is the initial, um, the initial response. That's the event. That's what happens when you come down and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Okay. The second level is lordship. Now I want to touch on lordship just a little bit. Let's look at Romans chapter ten. Romans chapter ten. No, need to read this. Romans chapter ten, verse nine and ten. Lordship is where a lot of churches have missed it. We've been okay with people receiving Jesus as as their savior. Jesus as your Savior is what he did. Jesus as your Lord is who he is. Okay? We have to make this uh, split. We have to determine where we are at. Have we just made our Jesus our Savior and said, hey, thanks for dying on the cross for me? Or have we made him our Lord? Now, this word Lord, again, is not a church term. This is a term that you will hear all the time. Uh, the best way that we know of this term being used is landlord. is someone that owns something and now you can rule it and run it. But do you run it and rule it the way the Lord wants you to use it? <clears throat> okay? What you have to understand is that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Okay? Jesus is now your Lord. So if Jesus is your Lord, that means that he owns you. He now has a say in how you live. He has a say in who you hang out with. He has a say in how you talk. He has a say in what you think about. He has a say in your life. Jesus is your Lord. And making him your Lord, making Jesus your Lord, is simply saying, not my will, but yours. What you want to do. Lordship is where we've missed it in church is because we haven't put emphasis on the lordship factor and actually making Jesus Lord of our life. So we have people that have uh, given their lives to Jesus, given their lives to God, but they really haven't given it. Because if you give it, that means it's not yours anymore. It means you don't call the shots. Jesus is your Lord. Now here's the other side about lordship that's great. Let's go ahead and read this verse, Romans chapter 10. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's two parts here. We know that this is the verse that we all use for when you become born again. You need to confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, and you will be what? Saved. Okay? The confess part is what we've missed. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth... Confession is made into salvation. This word confess means to make covenant with. It means it's a binding act. So when I confess Jesus as my Lord, I'm actually, I'm actually turning things over to him. Now, we don't understand. Um, in America, we don't have an idea of what it means to just give your word on something and follow through with it. You've got to sign a million documents. You've got to get it notarized. You've got to... You know, give them your social security number. You, I mean, put blood on it. You know, whatever. We don't understand it. Back in the day, back in Jesus' time, your word was everything. If you said you were going to do it, then you did it. Okay? So back in this time when Paul wrote this, they understood what it meant to confess. That word to us just means say it and don't really follow, follow through with it. Okay? So when you confess, you're actually turning things over to him, which means I don't have the right to take it back. I don't have the right to go the other way. This is what lordship is. Lordship is simply living a life with God calling the shots. That's what lordship is. Okay? And, um, you know, we're going to find out that there are a lot of Christians, a lot of people that use the term Christians have put on this label of Christian um, that haven't made Jesus their Lord. They just said a prayer, but they're living differently. They're not living the way that, and this is everything that we're dealing with. We're talking about your lifestyle being transformed because of the way we think. And so we need to transform our thinking. We need to renew our minds on what lordship is really all about. Because I don't want to find out that there was actually a whole other way for me to live, and I didn't live it. Okay? We need to live what we've been called to live. You know, just a quick little side note on this word Christian. This word Christian. I have nothing against the word Christian, because the word Christian simply means to be Christ-like. Okay? But if you look in the Bible, in the book of Acts, the Christians didn't call themselves Christians. It's actually very interesting to note that they were called Christians by an outside party. The first time we see it, I think it's in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, I think, is the first time that we see the word Christian used. And it was other people from a different nation calling these people that they saw look like Christ, do everything that Jesus did, they said, you're a Christian. The Christians called themselves brethren. Anytime they got together, they said, we're joining ourselves with the brethren. They called themselves believers. They used the word believer. But they didn't actually call themselves Christian. Now, I don't have a problem with the term Christian. It's just that today, the word Christian is just way too loosely used. I'm a Christian. Okay? And um, it's, it's, a little, it's a little deceiving because you call yourself a Christian, but there's no lifestyle to back it up. 
we, if we call ourselves a Christian, then we ought to be identified as a Christian before we say we're Christians. I mean, we should be having the conversation of something's different about you. What is it? Oh, I'm a Christian. They have already, they have already identified that something's different about this person. That's the way it should be. I shouldn't have to go up to someone and say, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Really? You look, you look like one of us. Have me for What church do you go to? I want to go to that church. See? So, and, and we'll get into that. Is it, it Acts 11, is that 26? Acts 11, 26, if you want to note that down. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a while, or for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples, they were called disciples. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This is where we get the word Christian. And, why, and what does that word mean? Christ-like. So they saw these disciples, which simply means follower, student, pupil of someone, of Jesus, were first called Christians. They said these followers of Jesus look just like Jesus did. They act like Jesus acted. And see, at this time, there were still people on the planet that had seen the real Jesus. Okay, so it wasn't just something they had heard about. I mean, we were only talking, you know, several years after Jesus went to heaven. So there's people still alive that actually saw the real Jesus on the face of the planet and now are seeing his disciples do what he did. And this is how we should be. This is how we should be. And I'm not just talking about in character. I'm not talking about in character, not just in character. I'm talking about in power. Also, because Jesus made a statement in John chapter 14, verse 12, and he said, For those who believe in me, the works that I do, even greater works. He said, the the same works you will do, and even greater works. What could be greater than raising someone from the dead? I mean, there's works that should follow. These works that I do. In John fourteen twelve, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Well, the disciples took this to heart. Jesus healed sick people, we'll heal sick people. Jesus raised out dead, uh, demon-possessed people, we'll cast out demons. Jesus raised the dead, we'll raise the dead. Did his disciples do all those things? They sure did. That's what showed people in the world, they're Christians. They're Christ-like. They're just like Jesus Christ. They're just like that man, Jesus, that walked on the face of the planet. They didn't have to go and tell people, hey, man, we made up a new term. We're going to call ourselves Christians because we follow after. No, they were still known amongst themselves as disciples, brethren, believers. These are terms that the church used. It was outside people. It was people that weren't Christians. It was people that uh, didn't even know that kind of language. That called, They made up the term and said, they're Christians, just like we're Americans. See? So that's where we get that term, Christian. Just a little side note there. But it, it's important to, to see the level of lordship. When, when Jesus is your Lord, you will be a Christian. Because you're going to look just like Christ. 
If you look at Jesus' ministry, several times, many times, he said throughout his ministry, I don't do what I want to do. I do what the Father wants me to do. I don't say what I want to say. I don't go where I want to go. I do as the Father. In fact, he had uh, one last out in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was to be taken away. And he said, Father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me. What did he just show right there? That he was a man and he had his own will. Jesus was a man just like anybody else. He had his own will and he had his own desires. And he did not want to go through that punishment. Very clearly. But he said, but not my will, your will. Down to carrying the cross. You know, Jesus carries the same cross that all of us do. Putting down your will and taking up his will. That was Jesus' cross, was I'm going to put down what I want to do. I want to put down what Mark wants to do, and I'm going to do what the Father wants me to do, which always causes us and puts us in places to do something uncomfortable. Why? Because this world should not be comfortable to us. This world should not, be, should not seem like home. This world should not, I'm, I'm right at home, man, around all these people at work just cussing and drinking and living up and, and you know, having a, having a blast over here. I mean, this is right, no, should be uncomfortable. You should stand out. But light overcomes darkness. Light takes over darkness, okay? And that's who we are. We're the light of the world. The last level of um, repentance, so far we had reversal, lordship, and then the last one I want to put in here is teachability. Teachability. This is the biggest one. This is the greatest one because we all run into a danger of not remaining teachable. And that simply means to hear something and choose to and refuse it and choose not to follow after that. You know, uh, Peter, Paul, I mentioned, you know, that they had said that you know many people will fall away from the faith and they said the reason they would is because they would no longer uh, remain teachable they would not endure sound doctrine that means that they would go to church and instead of hearing the same thing over and over and over I want to hear something new in fact um, I think it was Paul talking to Timothy and he said that they would have itching ears it's kind of a weird term itching ears sounds like a dog <clears throat> but an itching ear is simply just always fetching after the newest thing. Let me hear something different. I'm going to tell you right now, in this church, you're going to hear a lot of stuff over and over and over. Repetition is is the answer. I don't want to preach something new just for the sake of preaching something new because I'm afraid that you guys are tired of hearing the old stuff. Look, this same book has been around for thousands of years, and there's nothing different about it. There's nothing new about it. I mean, you will find something new about it every time you go in it. You'll see a, a verse in a different light, or you'll learn something new from it. You'll be like, man, I never saw that before. But, you know, I, I do yearly Bible plans, and every year I get something different out of it. But it's the same book. I didn't have to go get a different book. If someone got a different Bible, someone got, someone got a different religious book, I want to see things differently. So teachability is simply always remaining teachable, always being in a state of I can be taught. That's repentance. Why? Because, again, we're changing our thinking. You're changing your thinking from being locked up in your brain and saying, you know what, I'm tired of hearing this stuff. I want to go on and hear something different to 
I'm going to remain teachable. And if there's something in there that I see or that is shown to me by the word that causes me to live differently, then I'm going to do it because that's life. That's life. Anything that's living is growing. Anything that's living is always uh, advancing. Anything that's alive is always got new things taking place. There's, I mean, G- God put this process from the beginning of time of uh, planting a seed, seeing it grow, and then that thing produces a seed and keeps on going. And if we got tired of that process, then we're going to end the process. Okay? So we want to stay in this process of hearing the word, making that change in our mind, then keeping it going in our lifestyle, keeping it going in our mind, always being in a state of uh, lordship and, you know what, not my will, your will, and then teachability, remaining teachable. Every time I hear the word, what's it going to change today? How am I, how's it going to change my thinking? How's it going to change my lifestyle? Because, again, everyone wants a lifestyle change, but nobody wants to change their thinking. You know, we have a president right now that promised change. And that's a huge buzzword. It's a huge buzzword. Why? Because, of course, everybody wants change. I want, I want a change in my finances. Okay, we'll take a brown bag lunch to work tomorrow. No, I still like eating at Chili's every day for lunch. Okay, well, then you don't really want change. Everyone wants a handout. Nobody really wants change. See, here's what America fell into. And this is why it didn't work for President Obama. Because he comes up and he says, we've got change. So America's thinking, you're going to change it? Great, I'm on board with that. What needed to take place was America to change. And he realized that a little too late and said, okay, but, but you need to change the way you live. You need to change the way you handle your finances. You need to change the way that you go out to eat every night. You need to change the way that you go out to eat for lunch every day. I mean, you need to change the things you spend your money on. You need to get rid of the cable when you don't even really need to watch it. You need to get rid of that car and not have to always have a new one every three years. Oh, but I thought you were going to change it. I don't want to change. I just want change. Everyone wants change without having to work for it is the problem. But when, if for us to see a change in our lifestyle and the way that we're leaving, living, it's going to require a change in our thinking. Okay, and so that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this message. That's why we're hitting on this because I can't, I can't get you to change anything about your life. I can't get you to, to, to change your finances if you don't want to think differently about money. I can't get you. To, to change your marriage if, if I can't get you to think differently about how the husband and the, the wife should operate in a marriage. I can't get you, I can't get your kids to change if you don't want to change the way that you parent. Okay? We've got to be willing to change things in our mind before we change things in our lives. Okay? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word.